but about two years ago, I was raped. Are you a man or a mouse? There's a lot of anger. For not being manly enough. There are two ideas about safe spaces. I was alone and I felt numb. My understanding of the world changed. I couldn't bring myself to say it. I was lost. Uh, in a very safe space. All I wanted was to be able to share my experience, what was happening to me with someone. Everyone, welcome once again to Safe Place for Men. And this is your male survivor, resiliency, and leadership development coach, Thomas Edward, coming to you from Sacramento, California, where the pollutants in the air are fair. So that means I can actually breathe just a little bit better, you know, today. So uh, I'm still hoping that at some point we get some rain here, which would be nice. It's interesting. You look at the other side of the country and there's like, it's snowing. <laughs> it's October. Uh, it's snowing, freezing rain, whatever over there. And they're getting ready for like snowstorms over here. Of course, we still got the fires uh, that are taking place. And then, well, the Midwest, they're in, they're in the middle. So they get a little bit of, of everything uh, coming up the middle there. So, you know, today we're going to uh, discuss, just over the next few months, we're going to talk a little bit uh, from a thriving perspective, we're going to talk about rebuilding trust after the trauma. Okay. And so we're really tapping into um, understanding that thriving a little bit for male, you know, survivors. So we're going to explain, explain, <laughs> we're going to explain a little uh, neuroscience there. And we're going to, you know, drop some knowledge on helping to empower you, of course, to thrive. Now, hey, if you've been up to the website, you, you notice, of course, it, it's always, I'm going to say it's always changing, but you know, I'm adding stuff and different things like that. And so, but if you notice for those, of course, that are paying attention, uh, you notice that there is a drawing for a free coaching session. So if that is something you think you would possibly be interested in, hey, sign up for the, for the drawing. We do um, one one drawing actually per month. And so you could actually win a possible coaching session. So you get an, an opportunity, if you will, to test it out and see uh, what you would like to do. So you're like, hey, you get to work with Thomas. And then you're like, okay, you know what? This is good. Let's continue this on. Um, started to put more blog posts up there. So that's good. You know, it's just, it's a time thing, right? So uh, that's that's the issue. It's like right now it's five in the morning and I'm up and, and doing this this pod because, okay, that's the time that I have to do it. So let's do it during that time. And then oftentimes, like I said, you guys know that usually after a session, that's when stuff hits me because I've been doing the session with the person. So then I'm just like, okay, well, uh, let's just continue it on and share the information, whatever that we were working on during that session, and maybe it will help someone out there uh, to give them some strength to continue to thrive and to move. So today, let's talk a little bit about, I'm going to say it, of a very crucial subject, especially when it comes to shifting, when it comes to thriving, when it comes to creating safe places. And that is, of course, the subject is about trust. And it's really important if we are going to shift, if we're going to thrive, if we're going to reach these new heights beyond, I'm going to say, our abuse history, that we once again have to start building trust. Now, this can be one of, I'm going to say, one of the most difficult attributes or investments when we're talking about recovering and reclaiming our 
life from the things that we have experienced, right? Because when we're talking about trust, that trust has actually been betrayed. And the thing about trust is it does not magically reappear, okay? But it takes time. It takes serious time. It takes serious intention, and it takes serious work. This is something that you definitely have to work through as a abuse survivor, okay? So trust is kind of like, it's like air and water. In other words, in order to live, you, you got to have, you, you, you need it. There's no way that you can, you can live without it. And it's interesting, even when you think about it, I'm going to say on the perspective, you know, you guys always talk about, you know, the idea of um, love and, and creating that once again in your life. And it would be great if we got to experience that unconditional love. And sometimes there are moments and times when we actually do where there's no strings attached to it. Or at least that's, of course, how it, it should be. But when we think about trust, trust, well, it does have a set of strings attached to it. And the thing is, when you break those strings, when you damage those strings, it's hard to earn those trust strings back, okay, even if you can get them to go at all. And so oftentimes our trust strings, they're just, they're stretched pretty thin. And that's because of our abuse history and experience. So since trust can be difficult because of the trauma that we experience, especially if, you know, if our abuse or something took place within family, oh man, that is, uh, I'm just telling you, speaking from experience here. And when I say working through it in years, man, it takes years sometimes to work through those issues. And what happens is because of, especially because if it takes place within the family, we set up, I'm going to tr say our trust radar, it just goes to maximum, okay? So we have our highly tuned trust radar there to protect us from harm. But here's the thing, though. It can also hurt us. So as adult, it can prevent us from growing. It can prevent us from experiencing all that life has for us because we have these high trust walls, and they can rob us of some healthy relationships and opportunities to build new strengths. Okay, when we're talking about distrust, right? So rebuilding the trust, whatever, after the trauma, I think we need to understand a, a little bit first. Um, I'm going to say about um, the neuroscience or the brain, what's going on, because sometimes it's difficult for us to uh, develop it because we're caught in the loop. We're caught in the trap. All right, so we're getting ready to do uh, this. Consider this your wake-up call. Boom! What was that? Me dropping some knowledge on you. All right, so I'm going to drop some knowledge on you. So if it gets a little nerdy here, that's okay. You can either take notes, just listen. I'm going to try and put it in terms where we can actually get it. But, you know, oftentimes when I'm working with survivors and we're actually trying to um, rebuild that trust, right? And so our trust radar, we can lower it, raise it, whatever, when we need to. Sometimes when guys are, are coming in, I have to actually explain some of the biology, the neuroscience, because it actually helps to accelerate them and it actually helps them to understand, oh, this is what's going on inside. And it just 
makes more sense. Like, oh, this is the reason that I'm hyper vigilant, right? And it really helps. For some of the cases that are, you know, um, cases, but for some of the clients that come in, uh, sometimes for them, they're really trapped. And sometimes we have to use uh, hypnotherapy, right? And so we use that and, and you're not on the stage, you know, barking, no one's making you do anything, right? But it's, we call it permissive, permissive, permissive hypnotherapy, where where we're going in and we're working through things, like we said, with the, the subconscious as opposed to the conscious will trying to, to push things, right? And uh, it's actually quite successful for, for you know, individuals that actually do it. So sometimes I do that too. But when we're talking about uh, rebuilding this trust, and like we said, from a neuroscience perspective, we need to realize that oftentimes for us as survivors, we have a great risk of developing a course complex post-traumatic stress disorder, especially if the abuse for us, it was repetitive, if, if it was prolonged. Uh, like for me, you guys know that my abuse took place from age 6 to 15, 16, right? And so I have like nine different uh, perpetrators, and this was happening uh, on a chronic continual basis, right? So it wasn't just like one incident with each one. It was something that was, was ongoing in different phases, of course, during your developmental um, stages. So prolonged harm, abandonment, whatever, by caregivers. And what it does is at a, development, at a developmental stage, it makes us quite vulnerable especially if we said if it happens during childhood or adolescence. And those are crucial times uh, of periods when your brain is actually developing. All right, so let's just say, let's kind of bring our trauma kind of to the forefront of maybe what happens from a neuroscience perspective. Okay, now if you need to take a break as I'm explaining, you know, some of this stuff, um, please do. Uh, I don't want to be triggering anything for you, but, you know, sometimes, sometimes, it does. So it's like when we go back to our uh, event or events, um, when the trauma, traumatic event is taking place. So we've got our fight, our flight, and our freeze, right? Okay, so those of you guys that were in the workshop, uh, this will be old hat to you, okay? So of course what happens is our amygdala. So the amygdala is the part of the limbic system and it's kind of like the brain's smoke detector, okay? And actual emotional memory center. So our amygdala is triggered if it senses any type of threat, any type of danger, and it causes the brainstem to react instinctively, okay? So now it's going to activate that freeze, fight, or flight response, okay? And so what happens is... This, of course, is going to cause an increase in heart rate, breathing, muscle tension, all these different type of things. But the thinking part of our brain, which is the neocortex, it actually becomes less active. So think of, just think of the space in the front of your head, your neocortex is being filled up with neurotransmitters so nothing else can get through. So it kind of shuts down. So at the times of danger, of course, we become overwhelmed by feelings because our limbic system is going, that amygdala is kicking feelings and impulses, and we don't think about or contextualize our experience. We're just simply reacting to the danger, we're feeling the danger, but we're not really thinking about or processing the danger, okay? And so, you know, 
the way that that we're made, that's what we need. Because you got to get out of there. You got to book whatever. You got to run. So the amygdala is taking over, and it's no longer about trying to think out this process. It's like, okay, bam, we need to survive. But then what happens is after the danger has passed, the normal response, of course, is for our thinking brain to reengage again to then react, to regulate our responses, to now be able to plan, to um, problem solve, and then uh, allow our arousal levels to actually decrease and return to baseline. Now, think about if our amygdala is oversensitized, okay, oversensitized, and the capacity of the thinking brain, like we said, is reduced in individuals who've been exposed to trauma. Now, so think about the brain exposed to this type of trauma in childhood. And then how does that affect, of course, the developmental stage of the child then? And then what is it actually altering in the brain? All right, so there's been studies, and I, you guys always hear me talk about broken broca, those different type of things. But yeah, it, it is true, especially when the, the trauma, the abuse takes place at early ages in childhood is actually physiologically altering the brain. Okay. So what happens though, is those memories have not been fully processed. They have not been fully integrated. I'm going to say into your autobiographical memory. And so they remain stuck. I'm going to say in feeling memory mode. Okay. Feeling memory mode. Now what happens when you smell something, you hear something, you feel something, and it triggers a flashback. Well, you're reliving the trauma, and that's because, remember, it hasn't been fully integrated, so it's stuck in that implicit feeling memory. Okay, so it's not put with the rest of the memory, the thinking part and stuff that wasn't going, it's just stuck in that implicit feeling memory. And so now, because the amygdala has kicked the hippocampus offline, or sent it to the parking lot, we're unable to contextualize that memory in the moment. Okay, and so then the traumatic memories that happen for us are the feelings and things that we experience. That's what's actually being remembered. Okay, I hope that makes a little bit more sense. If not then please go up and purchase the Why Did I Freeze During the Abuse virtual workshop that we did. And you'll have four hours <laughs> of explaining this and exercises and stuff that will help you to actually work through through that. Okay, so that's my advice on, on that because this is a short podcast. So we're trying to get through uh, what we can. So now just think about that. Okay, so just think about from that perspective so now you grow with that. And so now your trust meter in your adult years is very high. Why? Well, because when we get triggered, those type of things, we haven't really actually been able to process that memory. What comes up for us are those feelings, those implicit memories. They're all there and it sends us right back into that mode. So for you, it's like DEFCON 4. And so you're talking about, wait a minute, I've been trying to trust, build trust, but I'm always at DEFCON 4, right? Ready to 
put in the nuclear codes to launch the missiles. And for us, sometimes that can be very difficult. Okay, so here's the thing, though. How can we actually rebuild the trust? Okay, so let's just say you've come in, we've done some coaching stuff. Maybe we've done a little, you know, hypnotherapy. Okay, so, okay, Thomas, what would be some of the stages? All right, so if we wanted to recreate and build trust once again, the first thing, I'm going I'm to give you three stages here. So the first thing that we would need to do is to create safety and stability in our life. Okay. So I'm going to say that, you know, it can, it can be a big mistake when you're trying to, I'm going to say, dive into the hard stuff and you're not really connecting and processing it. What I find is oftentimes like survivors, when they come to the workshops or coaching, they've done the head part. So they've disclosed, they've talked about their story and they may have told it, I don't know how many times, but they haven't really connected. Okay, so we got a head and a heart issue. You have to bring the two together. So they might have the words, but they're not connecting it to the feelings or they might have feelings, but they're not connecting it to the words. And in order for us to process, we have to be able to do that. So creating that safety and stability, you know, in your life. So some of the things that we can do. Well, first of all, just like anything, you need to make sure that you're giving yourself time. Okay. So there's an investment. So I want you to think about this like if you had a home um, renovation project. Okay. Um, at least in my experience. Usually when you have a home renovation project, how long does it take? Uh, it usually takes about, I'm going to say, three times longer than you think. And you usually run over budget. Okay. That's just how it, how it goes. When we're trying to rebuild, of course, this trust and working through these things, that's the other thing that we have to take into place when we're creating this safety and stability. You've got to remind yourself that no matter how long it takes, what it costs, when we're trying to rebuild and recover, that it's going to be worth it. Okay, that's really important. And part of creating that safety and stability in your life is also working from a healthy, I'm going to say, mind, body, and spirit perspective. And so making sure that we're trying to put the good stuff, uh, leaving the unhealthy stuff, you know, because that really does have a um, influence and impact when we're talking about especially physiological things that are going on, like I said, inside the brain with neurotransmitters, those different type of things, what we're putting in our body can also affect that. So that's really important. So we're talking about maintaining some healthy self-care. Now, here's another one when we're talking about creating safety and stability in your life. And I just talked about it before, but you've got to learn about your emotional language, right? How you express emotions, right? So we're trying to get to that point where we can healthily express our emotions, not hold them in, allow ourselves to express them, okay? And so that just means we've got to learn approaches to manage our difficult emotional states or pretty much emotional regulation. And that's one of the things that, you know, I do do tons of emotional intelligent classes and, and working with individuals and, and helping them to be aware of that, to be able to regulate that, and also to build relationships. All right, here's one that often gets, I'm going to say, overlooked when we're talking about trying to rebuild trust after trauma, and that is the stage of just allowing yourself to remember and mourn your areas of broken trust, 
you know. It's like mourning that loss of innocence if you've ever, you know, um, used that technique when you're working through the trauma, when you're working through the abuse and going through those different stages of anger, denial, bargaining, all those different type of things. But mourning the areas of broken trust, especially if the abuse, you know, like I said, it takes place within family, people that um, you believed loved you. You've got to be able to mourn that that trust between whatever that relationship was actually lost. Okay. And that's a hard one. That's a hard one. But let me tell you, it, it's really powerful when you have the opportunity to do it. Okay. So I know for me in my situation, I had to acknowledge that. And I just had to, I had to acknowledge that even though this person was a part of my family, I'm going to say there was a bad side to them. There was a jerk side to them. There was a dangerous side to them that I needed to acknowledge, right? And so if that's something, and just depending on where you are in your journey, you might need a therapist, you know, if you're at whatever stage. Uh, you just might need a friend. You might need a coach, whatever. But make sure that you actually work through that. And then the final stage, and it's not really final, but I'm only going to do three because we have shortage of time here, um, is reconnecting. And so reconnecting with people, reconnecting your life and finding meaningful activities. Now, there's always a caveat. There's always a caveat. And that is you need to reconnect, especially if you're trying to rebuild trust. You've got to reconnect with safe, healthy people. So people who understand boundaries, people who will respect your boundaries, right? So people that are always asking permission, right? So when you're coaching with me, I'm usually, I'm asking you permission. Hey, do you feel comfortable if we go down whatever this route or whatever, or use this strategy? Because that's really important when we're talking about building trust. And so this stage, reconnecting, making either new connections in your life, and sometimes it might be approaching, uh, I'm going to say old relationships, but maybe actually learning or approaching them with a different perspective. And sometimes we, we need to do that. And part of healing, that's what part of healing is. But always the foundation is make sure that there is safety there. And by working it with those three things, what it does is it helps to take us, I'm going to say, out of that DEFCON radar, high walls of trust issues. And it makes it easier for us to start trusting and one of the reasons this is key is because it's really difficult for you to heal. And I'm going to say practically impossible. Maybe there's some situations, but you've got to build trust in some way. Because the reality is, is no one is an island. We are all independent. We are all working with each other. And we all depend on each other. And that's just the reality of this world that we live in. All right, guys. Hey, I hope that that helps you there during this week. Um, like I said, you know, my saying, and Bruce Lee, one of my favorite people, right? So take what's useful, discard what's not useful, then add specifically what is your own. And so, hey, remember, go up to the website, constantly checking the website. Once again, shout out to the Philippines. 
Thank you guys for chiming in. It's awesome. It's great to have you guys on as new listeners. And uh, I think some of you actually have signed up for um, some of the things actually on the website. So that's great uh, knowing that we're touching people, of course, in other countries. All right, guys, until our next time, be safe. Remember that you are not alone. Remember that you are loved, right? Like, well, whatever that word means for you. Well, you know, there's someone here who cares about you. And that's what that means. All right, guys, safe place for men. Until next time.